Hello, my friends, Rob Orman here, and you are listening to The Stimulus Podcast, where we break down ideas, strategies, and habits to live and work with intent. Don't just suck it up. Think differently. I'm a certified executive coach who helps docs reset and recalibrate their physician selves. Burnout, overwhelm, or just feeling stuck. If any of that resonates with you, you can learn more at our website, roborman.com, where you can also set up a free coaching discovery session with me to get clarity on your challenges and goals and see if one-on-one coaching might be something you'd like to pursue. On today's show, it's just me with a tool or a mindset that you might find helpful. So let me ask you this. Have you ever had a situation where afterward, you really questioned the choice you made at the time? You know, in that post game, you chew on it, you perseverate, you keep coming back to, oh, I should have done X. Why did I do Y? What was I thinking? If you are a clinician in medicine, there's an amplifier to this because someone else's life is involved. The patient, you worry about them. You worry about them as a human being. You worry about their health. You worry about whether or not you might get sued. You worry, worry, worry. And when I ask, have you ever had this situation? I think most of us have had it to varying degrees and maybe have it to varying degrees. And I want to talk about one tool to approach this in real time, in the moment, in the arena. And it comes from one of my coaching clients where we, or really she, came up with this during a coaching session and it had such a profound impact that I asked her if I could share it with you, the stimulus listeners, because I think it might help some others. And she graciously gave me permission to share this. So thank you. So she came to coaching with several goals. One of them was to experience less of what she called the afterburn. And that is the next day or days after a shift going down the rabbit hole of what she should have done, the decision she should have made. Oh, why did I do that? Why did I do X? It's so obvious that wasn't the right choice. And then really worry about the patient and the ramifications and on and on. Now, some degrees of this are natural, even healthy to consider how an event played out and how you might do it differently in the future. And really being concerned about a patient's welfare, I mean, that's a feature, not a bug. But this was going much further than that. And it could be, and as you know, it can be completely consuming at times. And then for her, that afterburn would carry into the next shift and lead to pre-work dread. And so the cycle continued. We'll come back to her frame or reframe in a bit, but first let's back up and take a look at the moment when the high stakes and then retrospectively criticized decision gets made. Now you, I'm talking directly to you listening to this right now, you have high standards, you trained well, and you're trying to do your best. You are doing your best. You are not going to work with the clear intent of doing it poorly and making some really questionable choices. No, you're going there to rock it. You're going there to take on the world and you are bringing to bear an unparalleled skill set, unparalleled in the history of humanity. Think about that. You, right now, you are at the pinnacle of knowledge and skill in the entire history of medicine. Now, for you futurists, it won't be the pinnacle in 10 years, but right now it is. And you know it wasn't easy to get all that skill and maintain that skill and knowledge. And then even with all that, 
There are many moments in the day when you are in the gray. It's not clear which way to go. The decision rules or algorithms or guidelines just don't spit out the answer. Textbooks, they don't help. You diligently read through the up-to-date article seven times and it's just not there because it's up to your judgment. You are in the gray. And here's the thing about any moment, any moment when you're making a decision and you're actually in it looking forward, it's like you're in a tunnel. You see a fairly narrow path forward and one decision clearly follows the next in a straight line in which you're traveling. The choice moving forward right then and there in that moment makes sense. The tunnel is the reality of how you make decisions in real time. When you look back, however, and see all of the possibilities, it's no longer a tunnel. It's a branched tree or a many tributary river or something with many, many branches where different choices could have been made at any turn. And, oh, of course, this was the obvious answer or path or truth all along. And when we or you play back these cases or these moments in your mind during the afterburn or in a public forum like a morbidity and mortality conference, it's often from the perspective of looking back, seeing all those potential tributaries, seeing the tree, not the tunnel. It's rarely from the perspective of you in the moment. Now, we might give lip service to that perspective, but oftentimes the judgments we or others put on that moment are not from the viewpoint in the present while it's happening. And another aspect of how this is often approached from both the systemic and personal standpoints is blame. Blame. Who's to blame here? And blame adds such toxicity because we so often turn that on ourselves. Who's to blame for this rather than what do we learn from this and how do we move forward and be better? Our inner critic loves to look back at that tree and just mm, stroke its chin and shake its head. And for the clinician who, let's face it, is probably coming from this from a perspective of being a perfectionist, it then leads to what I mentioned at the beginning of this, the afterburn. So how to approach the afterburn? Well, the first step is to notice. Take note of what situations are associated with afterburn. You're sitting there the day or two or even hours after work. What are the patterns for you? Maybe even keeping a journal or a log, noting it down. Who are the patients? What are the situations? Doesn't even have to be patients. It even could be interactions with staff. I don't know. What are the situations that seem to come up in your mind during the afterburn moments? It's not going to be the same for every person. It could be a febrile child. It could be what happens on consultations, an adult with questionable chest pain, unusual neurologic symptoms. I don't know. But the only way for you to know is to pay attention to what you keep coming back to when the day has ended. What are your afterburn moments? What are your patterns? Step one, notice the pattern. And now you can address it. All right, myriad ways to do this. But let's look at what my client came up with and still uses to this day. And I know that she's listening right now. So boom, hi, freaking five on this one. In those moments during a clinical shift that she has identified as high potential for afterburn, 
first. Pause and be more present when making that important decision or decision. The tumult of the day, it is just the perfect substrate for suboptimal decision-making. Rush, 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 so many fires to put out, so many tasks to complete. When you have entered a critical moment in a potential afterburn situation, pause, be present, and take a moment to reflect on the decision. Is that necessarily going to be the best decision looking back? Well, maybe, maybe not, but it is a decision. And put a mental stamp on it that says something like, I'm okay with this, that I'm making this decision, telling myself in that moment in the tunnel, I'm okay with this. Because at some point you do have to make a decision. I'm doing the best that can be done with the information I have right now. There's the mindset. And here is where the magic happened or happens, the master stroke that she came up with. After all of that, the pause, the stamp, I've got to make this decision, I'm okay with it, is the letter to future self. It's short, short, short letter, one sentence. She silently says to herself, dear future self, I am fine with this decision right now at this moment. That's it. Doing this, she acknowledges this point in time, the imperfection of what might be happening, but also the reality of the tunnel. And then when she thinks back about the case later, which, right, it happens, you just think of these things, she's able to refer back to her silently spoken letter. Dear future self, I am fine with this decision right now at this moment. And does it always work? No. Sometimes you are overtaken by events of the day or even events of the case, or whatever. No plan or approach is foolproof or even universally applied to every situation. But the letter to future self, it worked for her. I'll tell you, I've started using it, and I found it pretty impactful, not just professionally, but personally. And what I do in my head is I use this letter to remind myself that I'm in the tunnel, and this decision makes sense right now, and that When I'm looking back at the tree, which is what happens in retrospect, how can I grow from this for the next time and not use it as a moment to finally reveal my ineptitude? Dear future self, I am fine with this decision right now at this moment. A somewhat shorter episode than our usual, which means... That at the end here is where we're going to acknowledge a few of our Patreons because this podcast is supported in part by you, our listeners, our Patreons. So if you find value in the show, throw a couple coins in the hat, as it were. Support production costs. Keep the wind in the sails. We've got links to our Patreon page in the show notes. And as a Patreon, should you consent to such, we will acknowledge you out loud on the show and also have you immortalized in the annals of medicine, such as Jeffrey Roger. Roger's riff, named after him, the uncontrollable compulsion to break into show tunes during a trauma resuscitation. Very rare, very strange disorder, but unforgettable. Joanne Rule, Patreon. Rule's Rule is named after Joanne, and that is you can only see one patient at a time. If you are spinning your wheels trying to do 10 things at once, well, remember, rules rule. And Randy Metz. Randy Metz, 
Long-time listener to the show, such a long-time listener that he is the originator of the turkey sandwich in the ER mini-fridge. That's right. It's not called a turkey sandwich. It's called a Mets on Wheat. And that is it for today. If you want to learn more about one-on-one coaching, subscribe to our newsletter. Contact us about whatever you want to contact us about. You can do it all at our website, robormon.com. And until the next time, my friends, be well and keep on rocking.